0: Welcome to episode six. This episode is focused on secondary inclusion. How does it even work? So for this episode, I am so excited to introduce you to a dear friend and colleague and the person who works with me most closely, Kate McLeod, who I respect and adore and can't wait for you to get to know. She is an expert in all kinds of things. In fact, we do mostly the same things, uh, working with schools and supporting schools to become more inclusive. Um, But Kate has a particular expertise in high school inclusion and secondary inclusion, so I thought it would be fun for my first guest to bring her in and really help us answer the question of secondary inclusion, how does it even work? Okay, so Kate is joining us via FaceTime and I wanted Kate to start out by just sharing a little bit about how you and I work together in inclusive schooling.
1: Hi Julie, wow. I am so excited to be here, and what is more fun than a podcast, really? So yes, uh, thank you for the really lovely introduction. Right back at you, dear colleague, dear friend, um, and like Julie said, everything inclusive schooling we do together—you from special education equity reviews to presentations to creating groovy online courses for a pair of professionals and educators and parents—and um, I just really love working alongside
0: you and creating inclusive schools tell you, Kate, how excited I am to have you as the first ever guest. Okay, so let's start with the question. So whenever you email us at either julie at inclusiveschooling.com or kate at inclusiveschooling.com or team at inclusiveschooling.com, we're both responding to these questions. And we picked this question because we thought it was a really good one to use today. So Kate, do you mind reading the question that we got from our podcast listener?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we had a couple of really great emails from secondary folks that are listening to the podcast, and we have decided to choose this question from Bridget. Hi, Julie and Kate. I love your podcast. I am a middle school math teacher and I'm committed to inclusion and really want to make it work for all my students. Next year, I'm going to have a student with an intellectual disability in my class. I loved your podcast about co-teaching and how it can help make inclusion possible. So I've met with the student's special education teacher and feel excited that she'll be in my class supporting twice a week. But I really need a better understanding of what it can look like in a middle school math class, particularly when the student is so far below grade level. Basically, how does this even work? Thank you so much. You have really been such a lifesaver as I prepare for next year.
0: Oh, so cool. What a great question. So how do you support someone who's so far below grade level in a complex situation like mathematics? Uh, Bridget, we love your question. And I want to say I'm really glad that you've already met with your co-teacher. And I'm also excited that you're excited about the opportunity to have a student with an intellectual disability in your classroom. So we're gonna to jump to the, how does this even really work? So I'm gonna turn it over to Kate and answer the question, how does this even really work?
1: Yes, okay, so how does it even work? Including secondary students is absolutely an exciting and multi-layered process. It includes really getting to know this student, drawing on her strengths and intelligences, you know, creating specific goals for her, building an inclusive peer community, But today, I think we really want to address how to create thoughtful academic adaptations. So, adaptations, they're really an umbrella word that encompasses both modifications and accommodations. And so, simply put, these are changes to instruction, environment, materials that allow students to access it and be able to effectively engage with what we're doing in the classroom. And, Bridget, as an educator, you are likely using so many adaptations in your daily teaching already. And so making sure that you are providing them in a really natural, universal way is a really great first step for including this new student in your class. And so Julie, do you want to talk a little bit about what it looks like to provide some of these universal adaptations to support
0: all students? Yeah, so universal adaptations are really important to be thinking about all the time for all learners. This is a pretty simplified way to describe it, but I'm gonna start by telling you what not to do. The reason I'm starting with what not to do is because this is too often what we see as the number one way people support students. So the first thing not to do is don't just have a paraprofessional seated next to her. Also, do not have alternative tasks happening in the back of the room with a paraprofessional. And lastly, don't have everybody doing, you know, the the pink packet and she's doing the yellow packet or, you know, that kind of a thing. So what you don't want to do is have just a parallel curriculum going on. Instead, you want to more specifically make things naturally accessible. So things like if you're doing a lesson on ratio, you're going to want to use a video example that makes that information really concrete. Not only will it help this student, but it will help all of your other students understand why we're even talking about ratios in the first place. Something else you're gonna wanna do is think about making it visual. Make every step of the process really visual because that helps probably not only the student, but also all the other learners in the room. You're going to want to break steps down into chunks. So let's imagine that solving this problem, uh, you know, takes 12 steps to do it. You're gonna wanna have a very visual way to get through that problem. And any time the student really struggles, you're going to want to have a workaround. So if there's a piece where they have to do multiplication to solve this problem, you're going to want to have maybe a calculator available for them to use that. You're also going to want to build in choice, choice in how they complete the problem, choice in who they're sitting with, if they have a partner, the kinds of supports they have in place and the last is multiple means of representation so you want to pull in what i mean by that is allowing students to write their answer draw their answer design their answer speak their answer create a video to explain their answer so they have options about how to respond to a problem or a prompt so those are kind of universal or natural ways that you might think about doing for all and now i want to ask kate now kate in this particular example there's a student with an intellectual disability. Is there anything more specific we're going to want to do for a student with an intellectual disability?
1: Yeah, so this might be a little hard to answer considering we've never met this student and don't know anything about her, but in my experience both as a high school special education teacher, a consultant at inclusive schooling, and a researcher doing a lot of work around best practices in secondary schools, I found that including students with intellectual disabilities and more complex support needs, often means we need to think about reducing cognitive demands. So for example, you might be asking the student to complete fewer items on an assignment or assessment. You might provide simplified problems with completed models for her to look at. You might use images to support her understanding of some of these problems and concepts, and also multiple choice word banks, guided notes, things like that. But most important, you really wanna thoughtfully plan each unit with this student in mind, because they're gonna be working toward the same big essential questions, but we might not expect her to master all of the unit's objectives. So one of my favorite ways to support teachers when planning for secondary students with more complex needs is to get together with the whole team and ask the following questions, right? What is the big idea we want the student to learn? Two, what is the key vocabulary we're gonna want them to learn? And three, what are the skills they're gonna wanna learn? These will all be connected to the unit that everyone else isn't participating in. So like Julie mentioned, she's not gonna be doing alternative tasks in the back, but you're gonna wanna think about including fewer cognitive demands. So then once we have those three questions determined, then you can start thinking about, okay, what teaching materials and supports might be needed for her to succeed? and what are the assessments going to look like and how are those going to line up with her strengths and intelligences as as well as the goals for this unit.
0: Kate I love what you said there I just want to highlight that piece where you talked about the big ideas so asking the team what are the big ideas you want the student to learn what are the vocabulary that you need the student to learn and what are the skills necessary that you need the student to learn and It's reminding me of an article that we wrote together with Alice Udvari-Solner, actually I think it's a book chapter, and it's called Creating Educational Adaptations, Accommodations and Modifications. And if you are interested in that article, it really breaks this down into multiple steps and makes it really, really clear for the reader to understand how to support a student with more significant disabilities. That is on our website, and it's www.inclusiveschooling.com and it's under the articles section. So I just thought I'd highlight that right now, so that the article that Kate and I wrote along with Alice Yudvari Solner, that would be an incredible resource for you to read to prepare for next year, Bridget. Kate, one of the reasons I wanted you on this episode was because you've been doing so much research in schools about excellent secondary practices, and I was thinking about your dissertation actually, and I was wondering if you could pull any examples from that study or any other studies I guess that you've done recently that could show Bridget what it might look like in the actual in school with a student with an intellectual disability. Oh my gosh, yes. I have
1: had just the absolute best time spending time researching in middle and high schools that are really thoughtfully practicing inclusion for all kiddos including students with the most complex support needs. So I'm thinking that the best example might be from a sixth grade math class I observed recently with co-teachers Christy and Caroline, and they were supporting two students, Joey, who has an intellectual disability, and Kayla, who has multiple disabilities, and really including them thoughtfully. For a little bit of context, too, these two students had previously been in self-contained classes throughout their elementary school career and really were multiple grade levels behind in math, according to the co-teachers. So it reminds me a little bit, Bridget, of the student you're thinking about in regard to academic levels. So for this particular lesson I am thinking about, Christy and Caroline had planned to use stations during a lesson on algebraic expressions. And so they later told me, too, that stations are their go-to for all their lessons. And I know, Julie, you're going to be doing a podcast soon about co-teaching structures, so y'all should definitely check that one out. Very cool. So the breakdown of these stations went something like this. One was led by Christy, where she provided direct instruction to a small group. Another station, students were playing algebra bingo. Uh, At a third station, students were working with Caroline using algebra tiles to represent polynomial polynomial expressions. And the fourth station was a practice station, where students were working independently to go through problems and then check their work with a peer. At this independent practice station, the co-teachers had provided Kayla and Joey with fewer problems to solve and had included uh, completed models of all of their problems on their worksheets so that they could refer to it. Another thing that was really great at all the stations was how peers clearly understood how to support Kayla and Joey. They provided ample wait time once they asked a question, um, and they also further provided support asking yes or no questions to help if Kayla or Joey had trouble responding to an open-ended question. So after this observation, Christy and Caroline told me that with these purposeful adaptations and these layers of support, right engaging activities, modified work when needed, peer support, models, even the simple use of the calculator, that Kayla and Joey are progressing through the curriculum, really performing on grade level work. So let's just take a step back and notice some of the key ideas from this and how effectively they were supporting Kayla and Joey. They had set up stations. In this way, students had access to small groups, direct instructions from both co-teachers. It lent itself to multiple ways for them to engage and respond to the content. They also had modified work when necessary. And there was really clear and purposeful peer support. So those are some really key pieces about how to make some of this come to life in the classroom. And I know that this is a great example of what inclusion can look like in practice. And Bridget, you might be thinking, I don't know if I can do it every day, but really the potential seems to be without limit when we think about thoughtfully planning for these students in advance and providing everybody with
0: real and engaging learning opportunities. Oh, thank you, Kate, that was awesome. What a useful example. Bridget, I hope we have responded to your question. As always, we keep these episodes nice and short for people's attention span and energy. So I hope it was helpful. If it was, please rate and subscribe to our podcast, The Inclusion Podcast. I cannot wait for you to join us for our next episode. And I would like to thank you, particularly Kate, for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me on,
1: Julie. It was my pleasure. I also want to... Share with everybody that Julie and I are about to launch a new online course, the Inspired Secondary Educator 21 Days to Happier and More Engaged Learners. That will be available on our website, www.inclusiveschooling.com,
0: under the courses page. So look out for that in the coming month. Thanks, y'all. If you have a particular question, make sure to send it to Julie at Inclusiveschooling.com or Kate at Inclusiveschooling.com. Thank you very much. Wishing you warm and inclusive wishes.